Are you on the RCR mailing list? Never miss a beat of the news and hard-hitting stories you've come to know and love. Stay in the loop. Visit realitycheck.radio forward slash email. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio. Dewa DeBoer is a political commentator, editor of the conservative think tank Right Minds NZ. He's a columnist for the BFD. And soon, and we'll get to that shortly, to be a host on Reality Check Radio. We spoke to Dewa back in June last year, and he joins us again um, on the day after Waitangi Day. Dewa, nice to have you back on RCR. And um, as I say, we'll get to talking about what is coming up for you on RCR. But good to see you again. Hello, Paul. And it's great to be back on your show. Uh, great to be back, uh, you know, involved in this new year for RCR. And, uh, yeah, I'm keen, keen to uh, talk about my own involvement later on. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but uh, I guess I'm here to talk to you about uh, what happened at uh, Waitangi the last few days. Um, yep. And, uh, I, yeah, it, the, the events, I don't know if people were expecting more, um, but I have certainly heard it from some people that they thought it was, uh, a, a bit of a letdown in terms of what they were expecting. So when when you say letdown and what, what people were expecting, what were people expecting, do you think? Well, there was a lot of rhetoric around this being, uh, um, you know, there was going to be a lot of challenge to the government. There, there had been fiery speeches, uh, even rumours of uh, uh, from the media and certain commentators about uh, the government uh, uh, sort of, you know, declaring war on Maori almost. Uh, and so you would have thought that uh, there may have been a repeat of some of the incidents that were seen long ago uh, with uh, John Key and others, uh, things thrown at people, uh, various things. things. We know things. what those things were yeah. or are. <laughs> yeah, no, none of those flying around this time. And no, that didn't really happen, right? There, were, they, there was particular antagonism towards David Seymour. Um, there was, uh, you know, some... Some crass things uh, apparently were were done. Uh, uh, you mean exposing particular body parts? Body, certain body parts were, were exposed towards him, yes, in his direction. Um, again, uh, you know that's vulgar and and just you know not the kind of behaviour you, you really want to see at an, at an event that should be commemorating national unity. But it is unfortunately the kind of behaviour that's considered to be quite normal at this event. Yeah, well, uh, amongst some people anyway. It seems to me, um, and I'm fascinated to get your view, that all of this this sort of noise, let's say, is ginned up. It, it doesn't seem to have a basis in, you know, that little thing called reality. No one's talked about abolishing a treaty that I've ever heard, and I'm no fan of some of the people who have been talking about you know, um, uh, referendums and stuff like that, but they certainly haven't been talking about abolishing the treaty. It, it, it No one's stated that it's a war on Maori. There's been nothing, no rhetoric that really you could uh, equate with, with saying that. So where is all this this um coming from do you think is it coming from our our warped media is it coming from yeah, the, the legacy media is certainly injecting a lot of this fiery rhetoric in there because it does generate a lot of clicks a lot of interest 
uh, you know, their, their business model thrives on controversy. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, there's a lot of interest from uh, certain left-wing parties in Parliament as well. So the Labour Party, the Green Party, and the Maori Party all have uh, quite a, a good interest, a good stake in uh, in, in this being controversial and making oh, it look yeah. So the, let's government. start with the Labour Party. This is the party that nearly destroyed New Zealand. Okay, so we'll just yes. register <laughs> that. The Green Party. Okay, um, we know what's been happening in the Green Party lately, and it ain't too pretty, and it looks like um, it's it's turning. Well, at least we know where all the weirdos uh, are located, I suppose I could say about that. And the Maori Party, looking at the two that have been um, out front over Waitangi, one's wearing like an 18th century sort of bowler hat and the <laughs> other's wearing a cowboy hat, which seems to be uh, an obvious expression of colonialism, um, yet they are, they're saying everything that's not that. I, I mean, this is kind of a clown world. There is, there is an, an element of a clown world uh, uh, with, with the behaviour that you see there. And especially um, if you look at the the origin of, for instance, the cowboy hat and how it uh, connects to some of the tribes in uh, in the Waikato, um, because they were actually quite heavily influenced by the Americans, the American Revolution, the American Declaration of Independence. Oh, okay, um, I didn't know that. So that was around the same time. Uh, I mean, it had been earlier. Oops. The cowboys were there, so they were influenced by that. Um, and then... To see, but yet, yet they reject all of all of history. You know, like the the, uh, the the missionary translator Henry Williams, who was at Waitangi, who explained the treaty to the chiefs. He compared it to uh, the Magna Carta. He said, you know, later on in the writing in his letters, he said that his view is that the Treaty of Waitangi was the Magna Carta of the Aborigines of New Zealand. Uh, and uh, many of the Maori, they understood all of that history. They understood the importance of these old documents. And uh, I think he was accidentally prophetic with the Magna Carta reference because the Magna Carta was largely trampled on and nullified before yeah. it made a comeback, a big comeback as what's recognised today—a a, a sort of a, a traditional, a, a tradition that in which our uh, property rights uh, are grounded in. So the the Treaty of Waitangi was, you know, comes from that historical context, from that cultural context. And they're willing to wear the outfits, you know, they'll wear the out, the outside garments of the cultural context of the history and of this tradition, and then they reject all of it for, uh, you know, what's, I don't know, basically either some uh, variation on globalism or communism, depending on which uh, which faction you're from in, in the Labour of Green and, and Maori Party. Um, back to the media um, that you mentioned just before. I can understand the need for clicks in the commercial media. I can understand that. Uh, when I say the commercial, I mean private media. But I don't understand it when it comes to the state-owned media, that is RNZ, non-commercial, TVNZ, very much commercial, but um, going under slowly, if you've been reading the financial projections for that operation. Um, they have a responsibility, don't they, to be accurate. That's the reason they're there. That is why they argue they should remain. Yet um, most of the, or, or a good deal of the inflammatory posts and uh, news uh, coverage that I've seen have come from those entities. There's a big ideological component for the uh, government media 
Uh, and unfortunately, our uh, coalition government hasn't really dealt to that yet because they should be hitting back at the uh, taxpayer-funded media and saying, you know, you are not being fair, you are not being balanced. Uh, you, you know, they should be start. They should be starting to strip the funding and strip back, scale back the uh, the government media, and in fact, probably shut it down completely if they could. Yeah, well, that's but they, they yeah. could. They could at least. They could at least threaten it uh, and start to uh, uh, instill uh, some fear in the media and get a little bit more balanced. But it seems that they're they're not really afraid at all of the government doing this to them. So they'll keep on going with the ideological bias that they have. Uh, because they'll never be punished for it, so they think. Yeah, um, knowing what I know, and I've had a, an association, p- particularly with one of those entities, over a very long time. Um, why wouldn't you, on the day you know the the true election result, get on the phone to Paul Thompson or whoever is now the head of TVNZ? I don't know, and say, okay, okay, just a friendly courtesy call. In case you haven't noticed, everything's changed. In case you haven't noticed, you've got to um, – well, you need to come and, and we'll need to have a talk and we, we, we need to update you on the expectations within the next few days. Oh, and by the way, if it doesn't happen, go find another job. You'd, you'd think that would happen. I'd do that. Absolutely. And this is unfortunately a case we sometimes get with uh, – almost always with centre-right governments. We have a description to say that they are uh, in uh, – they're in government, uh, but they're not in power. And they, you know, they, they choose not to wield the power that they have over many of these state entities. Uh, and they're a bit shy to do that. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, supporters of the coalition government need to get, uh, uh, be more vocal about the expectations that they have to say, Hey, we expect you to behave. You know, we expect you to actually use the power that the voters have given you. Yeah. And also we all know that it's all follow the money in the end anyway. I know in the case of the CEO of, uh, RNZ, when I was there, he was on over $400,000 a year. And I don't think he does actually much, actually, um, of the coalface work anyway. People like yeah, that never even... want never want to lose that money. They'll do anything to maintain their salary. So you're not going to get pushback. No, these are these are nice jobs if you can get them. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, we don't see much incentive for, for change from this government in that area yet. Um, and you, you could really see the difference in how uh, these parties were welcomed to Waitangi uh, over the weekend. So, you know, the Labour Party was, and the Green Party, they were welcomed with open arms. And it was very much, you could say, a, a massive Labour Party rally, almost. You know, very, a very partisan event um, because they, they think if they can support the Labour Party to get back into power, then the Labour Party is going to deliver again on the issues of things like co-governance. Um, and I, I think there's also a missed opportunity for many of the iwi because uh, I was looking at Luxon's speech and after waffling on about climate change, um, which is a bit of a strange uh, subject for uh, a speech to be making at, at Waitangi. Yeah, a uh, nation-building speech, <laughs> potentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, he did do some nation... Obviously, to him, that's in you know, nation-building. Climate change is a core part of uh, nation-building. But really, it's you know, dismantling the nation, but whatever. Um, he, he, uh, he eventually, at the very, very end, he gets to talking about wanting to promote localism, wanting to promote more devolution, so less central government power, more power to local communities. And that would be very beneficial for Iwi to say, you can have more power over your own local affairs. 
over the things that affect you. And this is very different to what the Labour Party is obviously offering them. The Labour Party is offering them, you know, co-governance. The Labour Party is offering them power at the top. Uh, and that's all easy. That's all easy money, as it were. And so reading between the lines, then, um, you're saying that he was kind of unbundling, in a way, co-governance and, and yeah, sort of re... Yeah, some people are some people are critical of the of the National Party, especially for supporting what they see as co-governance. But the official policy uh, in the National Party is really one of of localism and devolution, saying you can have more autonomy, but at the local level, at your local in your local area, over your people, over over your land. Um, yeah, and, and not nothing more than that. <laughs> and some people are still skeptical of that. But that in and of itself could be very good for them. That really is something that you think Iwi would say. Okay, can we have a you know can we work out a deal rather than going to Waitangi and um, uh, booing, disrupting, you know, being being generally disrespectful to the prime minister and the deputy prime minister? Yeah, the deputy prime minister Winston Peters. I haven't seen Luxon's um, speech because he doesn't interest me much. I got to say, but well, I certainly, yeah, yeah, you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, I did look at uh, Winston Peters and his speech because he is a true kaumatua in Māoridom. There's no question about it. And when he, you know, goes through the long list of things he's been involved in over, well, all the time I've been around, 40 or more years, you know, that's a significant body of work and involvement. And, you know, it strikes me if anyone's the real deal, he is. Yet he is shouted down disrespectfully. It's a it was a bit of a shocker, actually. As you were saying at the beginning, uh, a, a reality check was delivered there by Winston Peters, and they didn't want it. Uh, many of the unfortunately, the, 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 like I said, the kinds of people who, uh, who who are interested in the events at Waitangi very much, like I said, it felt like a massive Labour Party rally uh, watching the watching the events there, uh, and so it's unfortunately a very partisan event. Uh, and, and somebody like Winston Peter, who has delivered for them, uh, they're simply not interested. Uh, and also put Labour in power ready. before too. You know, let's not forget yeah, exactly. that. Exactly. Um, but no, no, it's, it, it is ideological in the sense of it, simply the progressive agenda, uh, the Marxist agenda is what's relevant to them. And if they don't get more of that, if they don't get more left-wing governance, they're not happy. So they're not interested in actual results. They're not interested in reality. They're simply in, interested in, in advancing uh, the progressive cause. Yeah, and that's not that doesn't include everyday people. No, no, <laughs> that 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 uh, usually involves the dismantling of the lives of everyday people. Okay, and then there's um, Seymour's um, address, which was well and truly shouted out. I kind of felt a bit. Sorry for him. I saw some of it. I didn't need to watch all of it because it was more no, of the same. Uh, but he, 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 far, yeah. he didn't get very far. His his um, his focus, as always, is on freedom. You know, the freedom of speech. Sorry, free speech or the freedom to speak, which is of course ironic, being shouted down, uh, and equal rights for everyone. He always wants you know, everyone should be treated the same. Uh, a big focus on anyone who gets off the plane should be treated the same as someone who's been here for a hundred years. Except if you're not into mandates. He didn't treat you the same oh. then. <laughs> so he's full of no. full of it, really, isn't he? He is. He is. And this is the thing that, that was missing from Luxon's speech as well and missing from David Seymour's speech. Is if you're really thinking of um, 
an event that's about the founding of New Zealand and its controversial in nature and, and from the nature of colonization. Uh, and then you think you'd be talking about immigration as well, uh, the, the problems of mass migration, the problems of uh, bringing in large numbers of people who may not share your values. Uh, you think that would be of interest to everyone there, but it wasn't of any interest to Luxon, wasn't of any interest to Seymour, and it wasn't uh, of any interest to the uh, crowds that were gathered there. I guess that is because they know that it's kind of not reported. So if it's not reported, then no one really knows about it. So there's no need to go there. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who's aware that uh, 250,000 people arrived in New Zealand last year? Uh, that's 5%. That's, a, that's an entire political party's worth of people uh, that, that can come in every single year. Uh, no discussion about that uh, and what that would well, what that will do to the country. Yeah, because that is a tsunami of people in our terms of population, and depending on what economists you talk to, every one of those. And I know we need some of them, but every one of those needs to be housed. Um, infrastructure needs to be able to cope with them, and that's all the way through. You know, from services in the street to health services, etc. And while it might increase GDP overall, it makes every individual poorer. Actually. Often, often your GDP per capita suffers. You know, yeah, per capita. Well, the GDP number goes up, but the GDP per capita goes down. Yeah. And the GDP number um, is the uh, overarching number is promoted as a positive, but we never talk about per capita. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. Uh, and that really is an important figure. Okay, then, um, the status of Waitangi Day as, I guess, the the founding birth of the country or... Um, yeah, absolutely. Waitangi does it deserve Day, to have... Does it deserve that sort of reverence, do you think, now? I, I believe that it should. I believe that, that it is an important day. Uh, it, it really does mark the birth of the country. It really does mark the formation of New Zealand. And it should be a, a day of unity and a day that we can be proud of. And I think for many of us, it was it was a beautiful day here in Auckland. Uh, I don't know about the rest of the country, unfortunately, but it's beautiful um, where I where I was at in Wellington amazing, it was a lovely day. Amazing sunshine, uh, lots of people out and about spending time with their families. Uh, and for many people, I think it's perhaps it's treated almost too much as just just a day off, just a day with family. But it should really be a day of national unity, a day where we come together as New Zealanders. And of course, it used to be uh, known as New Zealand Day for a short amount of time. I don't think that's particularly important. I think uh, the, the name, uh, because it, today is the anniversary of the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi, uh, and that, that was massive for uh, for everyone here. Uh, and it did establish property rights for Maori, who didn't have individual property rights at the time. It did introduce central governance into New Zealand, uh, uh, and... Uh, I think it is worthy to keep it. Uh, the only thing that, that we need to tackle is obviously what happens at Waitangi is, uh, is disgraceful and, and partisan, which shouldn't, which is not something we should be seeing. So it's today. been hijacked. Absolutely. Yeah. It has been, it has been, I think, uh, it, it was actually, uh, inten- the intention was for it to be hijacked, probably. Uh, so we need to, we need to go back to, uh, back to the foundation of it. And it would be great to see some more events uh, organized around uh, it as a day of celebration. Uh, yeah. I think many yeah. people on many ordinary 
sensible people basically they just enjoy it as a day off but uh but there's not very many uh organizations looking at well, what can we do with this day to make it a day for all, all new zealanders to celebrate together and for us to realize that um given our location given how far away we are from everything particularly in you know in the era where you know the 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 rise of technology was taking place we have done bloody well to build an impressive nation and we have been gutsy and you know i'm old enough to remember you know the veterans of wars uh, long gone now um these were people who believed in a country this couldn't have happened without that treaty being signed by the way um who have, who who were committed to a nation building and future generations and it it's kind of it saddens me to see those people sort of kind of in a way the memories of them thrown on the scrap heap all the work they did you know the risks they took to life in many cases and to be sort of bickering like idiot spoiled children is is kind of sad to see for me you know uh, absolutely uh, uh, understandable and for many many new zealanders that is the case where they look at their ancestors or uh, some of their relatives ancestors who've been here for uh, uh, you know what, what's coming up to 200 years many 100 150 to 200 years for many people and uh, there was nothing. They, they settled the land. They built it. Uh, often, uh, Europeans and Maori worked together uh, to to erect all of these uh, uh, cities that we have, uh, the farms that have fed this country. Uh, and um, we should we should we should absolutely be celebrating those people and the hard work they did and and, and thinking about it uh, because many of them, uh, you know, they uh, uh, you know, sacrificed their lives. Uh, for this country. Yeah, and- Pākehā and Māori together. And I can tell you, uh, I used to go to school in a very working-class area of um, Wellington in Petone back in the 70s, mid to late 70s secondary school, absolute working-class um, suburb, uh, many Māori families. There was no racism. I can tell you, there was no racism. There might have been a few jibes, but there was no serious racism. We all had... Maori mates and Maori um, kids had Pakeha mates. We 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 weren't even like aware of that in a way, you know. There was a time when it was like that, believe it or not. I, I think you know, there, there was a time. I think there still is a time. I think in, in for many ordinary people, that's what life is like, and they don't notice any of this. And it it really is uh, forced on people by. The, the kind of narrative that the legacy media tries to build, the kind of narrative that these political parties try to build. Uh, on the streets, you know, there is there is no real division between us. Yeah. Um, okay, so the media is the problem. And um, we might be part of the correction to that here at Reality Check Radio. We certainly influenced the election last year, so that's uh, we're probably the only entity that actually Absolutely. had an influence like that. So tell us about um, what you will be doing on RCR. So I'll be joining the team uh, from next week. Uh, We've got a summer series of shows planned uh, starting next Wednesday afternoon. Uh, And a lot of it is still uh, secret. We'll reveal it in the coming days. Um, But I will be very much focused on uh, New Zealand culture, politics and power. Um, We'll 
uh, be interviewing uh, 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 people from overseas, especially uh, younger nationalist movements as well, who are dealing with the same problems that we're dealing with here yeah. in their own context. Uh, and hopefully um, I'll be introducing some uh, uh, bits of uh, classical history from Europe. Uh, it would be great to look at some uh, old English history, uh, Roman history, Greek history, and so on. Oh, that's now you got me really interested. I love that sort of stuff. I'm going to be listening to that, Diva. I don't want to uh, to overpromise, but that really is the the goal of uh, what we're hoping to achieve with the show that's um, being planned. And uh, we'll yeah, in in the next seven days, uh, we will announce uh, some more information, and the the first show will be ready a week from now. Well, um, great to chat with you again. I'm just trying to think what we talked about back in June. Was it uh, the Christian Political Party Summit? I think from memory. <laughs> Yeah, there was uh, there were two there were two events that were close together. It was the, the Christian Political Party Summit, and before that, there was also Family Firsts Conference. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And hey, I mean, if things go well, I'll be there this year in in June. We can uh, we can do that all over again. Okay, so how far off are we from the start of your your show? Just to that's a week. Then it's a week from now. So a week from now okay. on the fourteenth uh, in the afternoon. Okay. Diva DeBoer, good to catch up with you again, and we look forward to hearing your show in a week's time, and particularly the history stuff. You've got me hooked already. Thank you, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Thank you for tuning in to RCR Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, just like what you're listening to. Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057, or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so connect with us today.